Our series title is Season of Grace. And uh, each week as we layer in a, a new nuance of this Advent series, as we will look at a different way that, that Jesus uh, meets our needs through His life and through His ministry, His person and His work, we will not only connect a new title, but we'll also connect a name of Jesus that we will focus on uh, throughout each section of this Advent series. And as I'm sure you could pick on, uh, pick up on, our name that we're going to focus on this morning is Jesus as our Redeemer. Looking at the redemption that Jesus provides through His coming as a baby in a manger. So the official title of this morning's message is Grace Through Obedience. Or excuse me, Grace Through Disobedience. Grace Through through disobedience. And I'm sure you've already felt it, uh, as you may have gone through a number of different big box stores, they're rolling out Christmas decorations. Uh, the Black Friday ads are already hitting commercials. And the uh, commercialization of Christmas, uh, man, I tell you what, it's sometimes nauseating, isn't it? And in this American culture of Hallmark holidays, it seems like we have a new holiday and, and something new to celebrate almost every week. I don't know if you ever see that on these new calendar items that come out is maybe you're pulling up your iPhone or your smartphone and you, you see a, a little dot there, you see a little header in that day's uh, of the calendar and you look in there and you say, what, what is this day? Well, guess what? It's, it's a new holiday that, that you've never heard of or we're celebrating a new theme or have you, ever, have you ever felt that before? Like, man, this is getting out of hand a little bit. And unfortunately, with more quantity of holidays, it can sometimes dilute down the very significance of the important holidays. And unfortunately, I believe in our American culture and society, that's exactly what has happened to this Christmas season. It's just become a, another holiday that, that we, we go through, that we pass on the calendar and we move on to the next one. It, it's it's the, the last thing from our mind is the, the significance and the purpose of the Christmas holiday. And rather, it's, it's become, if we're not careful, it can become just another gift opportunity or just another opportunity to, to get together with friends and family and to have traditions and do these things. Don't get me wrong. Those things are great and, and valuable. I love those things. But friends, I wonder, have we lost the true meaning of Christmas? Do we need to recalibrate our hearts and our minds through this, this next eight weeks to, to consider alone, standing alone, only Jesus? And His coming to this earth is taking on flesh and His making a way for us. To be in relationship with God the Father. That happened when Jesus was born of a virgin. Did all the, the feelings maybe come about when we read that passage out of Luke chapter number 2? As you think back on the significance of that night. Consider the, the shepherds and the wise men and Everybody that was involved in that particular season of Jesus coming. The angels, the celebration, the prophecy fulfilled. 
all these things that we're going to dive into and, and standalone messages. I hope you're exciting. You're, you're leaning forward and looking for the opportunity to consider, Jesus, where have, have I faded? Where has my focus gotten distracted by the things of the world? Where has this Christmas season gotten off track in my own heart and my mind? And I hope and I pray that God would do a work not only in your life individually, but collectively as a church, that we would remember the beauty and the majesty and the glory of Jesus coming to this earth. And really, the, the whole season of Jesus coming, this whole Christmas time, it really is all about grace. Because when you consider life without Jesus, what this world would look like without Jesus coming and taking on flesh, wow, that is... A hopeless state that we certainly would be in. We're going to talk about that some this morning. How different the history of this world potentially could look like without the hope and the love of Jesus. And how his life literally turned this world upside down. How his teachings and the inspired word of God has, has endured through centuries and centuries. And right now in this moment, thousands of years later, we are talking about this man, Christ Jesus. The most influential man in the history of the world. Not just influential, but isn't it beautiful to think that God, deity, the creator of all things, the one who has and is holding the stars in their place. He came and took on flesh as a real man. The God man, Jesus Christ came during this time. And we have an opportunity just to look at all the beautiful facets of that diamond. And I pray that the assumptions that we might have, or I pray that the biases that we might bring to that man, Christ Jesus, that we would let those just fall to the back burner. We would look afresh and anew at what the inspired pages of Scripture say about Jesus Christ, and we would let those truths change our life. Would you join me as we open our service in a word of prayer this morning? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in its pages, we have recorded for us Jesus, his life, his ministry, his person, and the work that, that he did on the cross of Calvary. We thank you that we have recorded that this man, Jesus Christ, went to a cross, shed his blood to atone and to pay for the sins of the world. And that Jesus ultimately breathed his last breath. And he was taken off from that cross. And he was placed in a tomb. And on the third day of being in that tomb. He rose again. In victory over sin, death, and hell. We thank you that the tomb is empty. This morning, we thank you that we serve a living God. And that life that you lived is the same life that you offer us. You offer us a new life. The old man is passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I pray this morning as we look at grace through disobedience, I pray that we 
would be challenged and confronted with the ugliness of our sin. But Father, we would see the hope and the beauty of a Redeemer. I pray that we would respond rightly to that Redeemer. We would recognize Jesus as Savior and Lord. And I pray that we would confess that He is Lord. I pray that we would believe in our heart that He saved us from our sins. And we pray that even this morning, that there's maybe... A young person, a man, a woman here who has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. I pray that today would be the day of salvation. We know, Father, there are no accidents in your kingdom. There are no coincidences or mistakes. Every person that is here this morning is here by your divine appointment. And so, Father, the truth that we are about to hear from your word, you mean it to be heard by this congregation, this group of people. And so, Father, I pray that we would steward this opportunity well, and we would do it for your glory. We pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. As we said before Christmas, can come quickly and pass us by. And before we know it, it's, it's gone and we're simply left trying to catch our breath, wiping some sweat off our brow and, and just trying to catch up with life as one year ends and as, a, as we welcome in a new year. Have you ever felt the hustle and bustle of the Christmas season? Oh, that as Christ followers, we would guard ourselves from that. Far too often the significance of Christmas is it's fleeting and it's relegated to empty boxes and trash bags full of discarded wrapping paper. Have you been there before? Do you long to remember Jesus in a more meaningful way? Do you ache when your heart gets caught up with the rat race of what this culture and society says that the holiday season should look like? Do you need to recalibrate your heart and mind away from the things of this world that are clamoring for our attention? And do we need to linger this morning at a manger? Gazing at a baby. Jesus Christ. Oh, that that baby in a manger would change our lives. For when we gaze fully into his person, who he is, why he came, the significance of it all, I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit of God will use that to change our lives. Do you need a season of grace right now? Do you need to remember who Jesus is and what he has done for mankind? Do you need to remember ultimately the gospel? Ultimately, this season of grace is for us all. It's not just for the kids. It's, it's not just for those that are maybe new in the faith or, or those that, that are unbelievers. The season of grace is for us all. Young and old. New in the faith or old in the faith, we need to recalibrate our hearts right now in this moment to the season of grace. We need to remember the gospel. Afresh and anew. This time of, of Advent, as Pastor Andy kicked off, it can feel somewhat uncomfortable for some of us who may not uh, have grown up 
talking about a, an Advent series or a season of Advent or recognizing Advent on, on the Christian calendar. For those that maybe come from a more Baptistic background, we're, we're hesitant of uh, old tradition and, and what that might mean. Are we, are we clinging to the traditions of, of man to earn grace and favor in the eyes of God? And so we, we're hesitant. So in this moment, when we talk and speak of this season of Advent, literally we're just speaking of reflecting and remembering on Jesus. As Pastor Andy talked about, this, this word Advent comes from the Latin and has the idea of a coming. It's, it's, it speaks of anticipation and expectation of, of the coming, ultimately, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Deity taking on flesh. God Himself who spoke all things into existence has come to dwell with mankind. And this is a beautiful grace for us to remember in our day. This is the heart of Advent that God's people and by His grace the world would anticipate His, His coming. For us in the church age, this has been a time of remembrance and reflection as we both anticipate now His second coming and also as we celebrate the redemptive plan of God to bring salvation to this world through the birth of His Son, Jesus Christ, to the Virgin Mary. So our hope, and again our prayer, would be that we would just simply slow down a bit to be still. And remember Jesus. So in the season of grace, we're going to first consider grace through disobedience as we remember and see Jesus as our perfect Redeemer. The big idea of our message this morning is this. Despite the failure and disobedience of the first Adam, there is a second Adam, Jesus Christ, who has come in victory and perfect obedience to the Father. Again, the big idea of our, our message this morning is despite the failure and disobedience of the first Adam, there is a second Adam, Jesus Christ, who has come in victory and perfect obedience to the Father. The first point we're going to look at this morning is this season of Advent reminds us of the failure and disobedience of the first Adam. The season of Advent reminds us of the failure and disobedience of the first Adam. Adam. Again, as we read through Luke 2, I'm sure many of you could, could quote and recite um, that section of Scripture, maybe in different versions and, and different nuances of translation, but, but did you find yourself uh, just having joy and remembering the, the story of Jesus coming to the world? I hope that the personal work of Jesus never becomes something of the past. It never grows cold in our heart and it never comes dull to our ears. I pray as we hear and see Jesus in the pages of Scripture that our hearts are stirred. That we're warmed towards the person and work of Jesus. And our prayer is that this Advent series would do just that. That we would renew our love towards the Savior. We remember His love towards us. And we would respond to the work that He has done. It's important that Jesus did not come just to establish another holiday on the calendar. I know that's a big shocker. This is not the purpose of why Jesus came. 
He did not come so that we could have just this pretty nativity set on our mantle. He came on a mission. And that mission was simply to seek to save the lost and to satisfy the penalty of sin. This is why Jesus has come. And that purpose was true then. And that purpose is true now. And the realities of those truths have implications on our life that Jesus came to seek. Why? Because there were those who were lost. He came to save. Why? Because there were those that were in need of saving. He came to satisfy the penalty of sin. Why? Because sin has a hold and a grip on our life. You see, Jesus came on a mission. Friends, we've fallen short. That's you. That's me. We have fallen short. We have sinned. All of us have fallen short, meaning there's, there is a gap. There is a problem as a result of our sin. Our first point again this morning is what? The season of Advent reminds us of the failure and the disobedience of the first Adam. Grace through disobedience, it reminds us that Jesus broke through and divinely intervened in the history of mankind because we are lost, because we are broken, because we are sinners in need of saving. So that gap, that void that is present because of our sin, it could only be filled by the person and work of Jesus. That's the baby in the manger. What unlikely means that hope would come through, but by a baby. But this is not just any baby. This is God in the flesh. His sovereign grace. God, before the foundations of the world, had planned for His Son, Jesus Christ, to make that way. This is no plan B. This is no reaction to sin. God in His sovereignty has known that Jesus would be the one who would make a way, who would pay for the sins of mankind. So as we remember this morning that we have all fallen short, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. That your sin and my sin has, has, has full implications on eternity. And without Jesus, we are lost and without hope. And as we remember that we've all fallen short, we're reminded that this predicament of sin, it started all the way back with the first human beings. All the way back in Genesis chapter number 3. Do you remember there? You can turn with me to Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3. We're going to turn back to Ephesians in a few moments here. Genesis chapter number 3. Verse number 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say... You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. 
For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. This morning, we're not going to have the time and opportunity to expositionally break down Genesis 3. We've done that in a previous series. You can go on our website and look up the archives of those messages. I believe it was Pastor Andy that preached that uh, and handled it very well. Uh, But this morning, we're going to take some principles and truths and realities of this setting right here in Genesis chapter number 3, and we're going to make some applications, and we're going to call out some implications that these eternal principles and the reality of sin has on our life even today. So we see Satan deceiving Adam and Eve by first what? Questioning God's word and God's motives. We see this present by his statements of, did God actually say? You will not surely die. You will be like God. Satan, the serpent, calling into question God's word. Calling into question God's motives and purposes. Calling into question his ways and his truths and his commandments. Deceiving Adam and Eve. Perverting the word of God. Calling it into question. This is how Satan works, does he not? It was true then, it's true now. This is an eternal and timeless tactic of Satan to question and undermine the word of God. We see this in our own day. Questioning God's word. Questioning God's ways. Questioning God's purposes for mankind. Mankind asserting their own authority over their own lives. Disregarding the ultimate authority of God over all things and all creation of which we are one of those. And establishing ourselves as king and queens of our own world. Doing what we please. When we please, how we please. This is how Satan works. Slipping in seeds of doubt in the minds of mankind around God's purposes and ways. Satan is still deceiving mankind and questioning God's words and motives. All of us as such, have chosen to rebel against God's clear command. Just as in Adam and Eve disobeyed God's one commandment to not eat of the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. In the presence of temptation, in a disregard for God's commandments, Eve took. She ate. And she gave to Adam who was with her. Sin entered the world in that moment. 
perfect harmony and relationship with the eternal God was broken as a result of our sin. You see, God created us as mankind to be in fellowship with Him as their creator. But ultimately, man rebelled. We inserted pride and arrogance, wanting to be like God. And in that moment, the world changed forever. The earliest stages of mankind were now reeling with this predicament of sin. Adam and Eve rebelling right there in the garden, but this rebellion against the Word of God, His plans and purposes, was not just an Adam and Eve problem. This is not just an Adam and Eve issue. This is now an issue for all of mankind to come to grips with. You see, in Romans chapter number 5, verse number 12, it tells us, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. We all are in this troubled state of disobedience and failure to God. God's Word goes on to remind us over and over again of this problem and predicament of sin, this, this void, this gap that is created as a result of our sin. God's Word says in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not even one. Romans 3.23 reminds us that all have sinned. What is sin? Sin is simply breaking God's laws and commandments. All of us have sinned, and as a result, we've fallen short of the glory of God. Do you remember Romans 6, 23? For the wages of sin is death. A wage is what we earn. What we earn, our right for sin is death. But the free gift of God is, he, is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Friends, I'm sure many of you have heard those verses before. Many of our, our kids are learning those, memorizing those right now in our WANA program. But do you remember the truth of these verses? That without Jesus and without Christ and without a Redeemer, we are in sin. And the wages of sin is death. That's not just speaking to a physical death, but it's, it's referencing a spiritual death that results even in a, a separation from God for all eternity. Friends, there's one thing that we all have in common. It is, it is that we will at some point in our life take our last breath and we will die. It's appointed unto man once to die just like we all will. And then the judgment. Friends, are we ready to meet our Maker? Not as judge, but as loving Savior. This is why God the Father sent His Son. He's crying out to all creation, believe in Jesus. Confess with your mouth. Believe in Him. Place your faith and trust in Him and be saved. So we don't have to experience death, but we can experience life. This is the hope and the beauty of the gospel. This is the reason for the season that Jesus has come, not just for a holiday, but to bring the good news that salvation is here. And friends, I hope the familiarity of that truth and that reality does not dilute the impact and the glory of those truths. The problem 
that we're all facing is our disobedience, just as it was for Adam and Eve. The truth of Scripture describes our state without Christ, without a Redeemer, to be a hostile one. One that is set to rebel and literally war against the things of God. God's Word describes our state as as one of enmity, one of, of hostility to God. This is describing literally a state of war against the Creator of all things. Asserting that I am right. I am the authority over my life. I can do what I please. The creation declaring to the Creator that I have ultimate authority. Friends, God has created us for a purpose. Certainly for joy and pleasure, but in His design and in His way. And ultimately, true lasting pleasure, the ultimate pleasure that we can experience only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. All other pleasure and joy and satisfaction that we could experience and consume this side of eternity on earth, it's fleeting pleasures. It comes and it goes. And we're left wanting for more. We're left wanting for something different. As the stakes get higher and higher, the consequences grow and grow as sin has a grip on my life. And this is what Jesus has come to break. For freedom's sake, Christ has come to set us free from the power of sin and the power of darkness. To usher us out of darkness into His light, to adopt us into His family. But friends, we first have to understand and agree with God about our state as a sinner. The season of Advent reminds us not only the failure and disobedience of the first Adam, but it reminds us, it should remind us of the failure and disobedience of our own life. That these are not distant characters in the Bible that don't concern us. This disobedience and this problem and predicament of sin is my problem. And it's one that we must deal with. So friends, we may not verbalize all the things that I described as a result of me inserting my own authority over my life. But friends, this is re- the reality is that that is my posture, my demeanor, demeanor before a holy God. It is one of enmity, one of pride and arrogance. My life without Christ is a direct affront to His plans and purposes for my life. I am literally at war with God when I am in my sin. Do you remember Ephesians chapter number 2 verses 1 through 3? Paul describes us in this way, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. None of us are exempt from that. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Friends, this is our failure. 
This is what comes as a result of our disobedience to God. This is a result of our rebellion against God's plan and purposes. This is us saying no to God. No to His plan of salvation. But do you remember the title of our message this morning? Grace through disobedience. Ephesians 2 reminds us that the disobedience, and although it's an unpopular message and many don't want to linger there, it's a message that we have to look squarely through to remember our state as a sinner without Jesus. This is what Ephesians 2 is bringing our attention to, remembering who we are before and without Christ. But now we have a conjunction that comes at the end of verse number three, beginning of verse number four. And point number one, we remembered that the season of Advent points us to the failure and disobedience of the first Adam. Point two is the season of Advent reminds us of the victory and obedience of the second Adam. Adam and Eve, they messed up big time. It has eternal implications for us all. Sin entered into the world and sin passed upon all men for all have sinned. We are children of wrath, sons of disobedience, following after the passions and desires of our own flesh. This was the beginning of Ephesians 2. But in verse number 4, the script changes. Paul goes on in verse number 4. He says, but God... Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he had loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses or sins. He he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Wow, this is the hope and the beauty of Jesus Christ. The divine intervention. Jesus Christ being sent by the Father, taking on flesh. And meeting us right there in that moment in our sin. It's in this passage that we observe God not standing for the victory of sin. God drawing an eternal line in the sand and saying, sin will not thwart my plan. Jesus will come, He will make a way, and I will save a remnant back to myself. And this is the hope that we have. That Jesus is drawing to Himself those who would be saved. And and friends, this free gift of salvation by grace, you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. This is the free gift that is available to us all in Christ Jesus. Are you tired of wrestling with your sin? Are you tired with the struggle of life? Are you tired with the ups and the downs? Are you tired of the wanting for more? Jesus Christ has come to me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus has come to me. Drink and never thirst again. This is the hope that we have right now in Jesus Christ. The season of Advent not only reminds us of of the failure and disobedience of the first Adam, but we should remember the victory and the perfect obedience of the second Adam. And that second Adam is none other than the person of Jesus Christ. So what is redemption? We sung songs this morning declaring that Jesus is our Redeemer. 
Speaking of the beauty of redemption, what is redemption? It is the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or a clearing of a debt. Again, this is the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment. It's a clearing of a debt. This is why Jesus has come because there was a debt to be paid and there was a possession to reclaim. And Jesus willingly came to this world, left the prerogatives of heaven so that he could accomplish that mission. And oh, he perfectly accomplished it. There was a debt to be paid and there was a possession to reclaim. This truly is the reason for this season of grace. This Advent series, week after week, is going to draw us back to this reality. Jesus is breaking through into the story of mankind to make right that which has been made wrong through our own actions and rebellion. Jesus was, was fixed on this mission. He reminds us of that in Luke chapter number 19. He says, this is why I came for the Son of Man. Jesus, speaking of Himself, has came to seek and to save the lost. Matthew 20, verse number 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Mark chapter 2, verse number 17, and when Jesus heard it, He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus, as the Redeemer, Provides the payment for our debt. He provides a cure for our sickness. He provides the way for our lost course. This work could never be done on our own. The enormous weight of our sin will always be too much for us to bear. The scales will always fall in our failure. To use that analogy that often comes up of our good ways outweighing our bad. There's no such thing. And it could never, never be possible. So Jesus, as the Redeemer, provides the payment for our debt. Friends, this is the reality of our sin. It is a debt. It is a burden. Our bank account, if you will, is... It is overdrawn. Jesus Christ meets us in that state. And as Redeemer, this is about reclaiming a possession. This is ultimately about relationship. This isn't so Jesus gets the trophy and says, I win. Certainly he does, and he will win. But this is about restoring a relationship that was broken. Jesus desires to know you. He desires to be in fellowship with you. He's like a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus desires a level of intimacy with his followers. He wants us to know, know us and care for us and to meet our needs. He desires to place us in fellowship and community with other brothers and sisters in Christ who can do that also. Jesus desires to know you and to be in relationship with you. This is why He is our Redeemer. He's willing to pay our debt, my debt, with His own life. 
He's willing to give of his life, his very own blood to pay for my sin. Friends, as we think back on the ugliness of our own sin in our own unique way, in our own unique context, isn't it just baffling to think that somebody would pay for my sin? I've done nothing to deserve it. I've done nothing to earn it. But Jesus has come to do that work. That weight of sin will always be too much. We need one who is able, perfect, and without sin. This is the God-man, Jesus Christ. Jesus came on a mission. He came with this focus to redeem, to take back, to provide adequate payment. And he did this all through his life. You've been in Ephesians 2. Flip over one page to Ephesians, excuse me, chapter number 1. Verse number 7, I love the summary, the depth of this one verse. Chapter 1, verse number 7. Speaking of Jesus Christ, Paul says this, In Him, that's Jesus, in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. So we are reminded this morning that it is in Him, in Jesus Christ, that we have redemption. Do you remember the the definition of redemption? The action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment. This is a clearing of a debt. We're also reminded in Ephesians 1 verse number 17 that this redemption was only possible through the shedding of His innocent and sinless blood. This was the payment that sin required. We won't go through all the nuances of that shed blood, but all the way through the Old Testament, you have have the, the structure and the model of sacrifice for the payment of sin, the shedding of blood of an innocent lamb or other animals through the Levitical law. We'll talk about that that more, I'm sure, in detail as we bring out the nuances of God uh, meeting our need through the law in Jesus Christ. But again, there was a requirement of a payment. That payment was a life. And not just a life, but a shedding of blood. This is what Jesus did when He was crucified willingly. At the cross of Calvary. Shedding of that blood made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. All of this supernatural work was always a part of God's eternal redemptive plan. He would make a way. And this was all done according to to what? At the end of verse number 17. The riches of His grace. His grace is not stingy. It does not fall short. It does not hold anything back. But His grace is is rich. And Ephesians chapter 2 talks about that grace being lavished upon us. Grace through disobedience. Grace shines through and meets us in our disobedience. 
And in our sin, grace meets us right there. And grace is Jesus. His person and His work. The redemption that He provides as the perfect Redeemer comes through the giving of His own life. It is by His grace. A simple gift, friends. The redemption is possible. The clearing of a debt. The regaining of a possession. Jesus has made a way. The perfect Redeemer. Jesus alone initiates, sustains, and upholds our faith before God the Father. And Jesus establishes a decree that we are His. The sin no longer has dominion over our life. This is the result of His redemption that we can walk in newness of life. We can know Him, love Him, share that love with others in this world. The strife, the rebellion, the disobedience, the war, the enmity, it is all resolved. And that all began with a baby. Born of a virgin in a little town of Bethlehem that would grow up, live a holy life, and perfectly fulfill the mission that the Father had sent him to accomplish. The result, the gap, the void has been closed. There's a way. Jesus, the bridge to now be in relationship with God the Father for all eternity. This is what the Christmas season is all about. Making a way for God and man to be back in relationship. What we broke because of our disobedience and rebellion, Jesus has redeemed and he has restored and he has reconciled. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Grace through disobedience. God, I thank you that you did not leave us in our sin. You did not leave Adam and Eve even going back to these early failures that caused sin to enter into this world. You did not leave Adam and Eve in that state. Certainly, sin has consequences. But you made a way. You established a, a covenant relationship throughout time with your people. And I thank you, Father, that you're faithful to fulfill those promises. I pray even this morning, as we were reminded of the universal nature of sin, remembering the failure and the disobedience of the first Adam, knowing that we are all equal in that state. But Father, I thank You for the perfect obedience and victory that the second Adam, Jesus Christ, secured for His people. Father God, I thank You that there is a simplicity to this message. That we are sinners in need of saving. That a Redeemer has come to pay the debt of sin. And if we simply place our faith, our confidence, 
in Jesus, repenting of that sin and accepting that free gift of salvation, you promised us that we can be saved. And although being saved isn't a silver bullet to make our life magically better and easy, we know that for all eternity, we have the promise of relationship with you because of what Jesus has done, with the debt that he has paid, the debt that he has cleared, the ransom that he has paid, it is ours in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, I pray this morning that if there's somebody here that has not placed the simple childlike faith in the personal work of Jesus, trusting in him alone, nothing else, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, that right now, even in this moment, that they would declare Jesus is Lord. They would accept that free gift of salvation, even in their heart right now, in the quietness of this moment. That they would be done with the struggle of sin. And they would admit that they are a sinner, repent of that, and accept this gift of grace that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. And I pray, I thank you, Father, for the promise and the hope that we can be saved. I pray that the season of grace for us as a church would continue to stir us up to remember the gospel, to love the gospel, to walk in the gospel, and to herald the gospel to this world that desperately needs it. Father, do that work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.